Hi, I'm Father Gregory Pine. And I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our interior lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Each season, we'll read through a great work, explain its spiritual principles, and help you apply its timeless wisdom to your life. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we are reading Ascension's edition of Confessions by St. Augustine. A few reminders before we get started. To download the reading plan for Confessions, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text CONFESSIONS to 33777. Click follow or subscribe in your podcast app for daily notifications. This is Day 1. Today we will be reading Book 1, Chapters 1-6 through in the Ascension edition of the book. We wanted to take this opportunity to thank everyone who has helped support this podcast financially. Your support is so appreciated and helps us to reach as many people as possible. If you haven't already, please consider supporting us at ascensionpress.com support. Before we get into the reading, a quick look at what we're covering today, our first day proper and the second season. Get excited. So today we are reading this sort of introduction, the very beginning to St. Augustine's autobiography. So setting up the stage with prayer, um, with questions about who God is and our relationship to and with him. And I guess, as all things do, we will begin at the beginning uh, with St. Augustine's own infancy and his sort of reflections on his, what I see, and as uh, as we'll talk about, his desire to be loved, to be affirmed, to, to sort of be drawn in, even then from the very beginning, and how this sets the stage for the rest of his life. So, let's get started. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Book 1, Chapter 1 Great are you, O Lord, and highly to be praised. Great is your power, and infinite your wisdom. Man wishes to praise you, but what is man? A mere particle within your creation. He bears within himself his own mortality, and witness to his sin, and witness to the fact that you, O God, resist the proud. And yet man, this mere particle in your creation, wishes to praise you. You rouse us to take delight in your praise, for you made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Grant, O Lord, that I might know and understand which is first, to call upon you or to praise you. And again, do we first know you or first call upon you? For who can call upon you if he does not first know you? Indeed, he who does not know you might well call upon you in a way that is, in fact, not in accord with who you truly are. Or rather, do we first call upon you so that we might know you? But how are men to call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to hear without a preacher? And they who seek the Lord shall praise him, for they who seek shall find him. I will seek you, Lord, by calling upon you, and I will call upon you in faith, for we have heard the word of preaching spoken about you. My faith, O Lord, shall call upon you, the faith that you have given me, the faith that you have inspired in me through the incarnation of your Son, through the ministry of your preacher. Chapter 2 Now how shall I call upon my God, my God and Lord? For when I call for him, I will be calling him into myself. 
But what room is there within me for my God to enter into? Where could God enter into me, the God who made heaven and earth? Indeed, O Lord, my God, is there any space within me that could contain you? But then do heaven and earth which you have made and where I exist contain you? Or given that nothing that exists could exist without you, do all things that exist contain you? Since then I to exist, why do I, who do not exist if you were not in me, seek for you to enter into me? Why? Because I have not gone down into hell, and yet there too you are. For if I go down into hell, you are there. I could not then, O my God, exist at all unless you were in me. Or, to put it another way, unless I were in you, from whom, through whom, and in whom all things are. Even so, Lord, even so, to where do I call you if I am in you? Or, from where can you come if you were to enter into me? From where could I go beyond heaven and earth so that my God should come into me, who has said, I fill heaven and earth? Chapter 3 Do heaven and earth contain you, for you fill them? Or do you fill them, yet overflow them, since they do not contain you? And when heaven and earth are full, where do you pour forth the remaining portion of yourself? Or do you have no need to be contained by anything, you who contain all things? For what you fill, you fill by containing it. For you are not supported by the vessels that you fill, because even if they are broken, you do not pour forth from them. And when you are poured forth upon us, you are not cast down upon the ground, but rather lift us up, not dispersed, but rather gather us together. However, O you who fill all things, do you fill them with your whole self? Or since all things cannot contain the whole of you, do they contain some part of you? And do they all at once contain the same part? Or does each contain its own particular portion, the greater containing more and the smaller containing less? And yet, too, would this mean that one part of you is greater and another less? Or rather, are you holy everywhere, while nothing contains you in whole? Chapter 4 What then are you, O my God? What other than the Lord God? For who is Lord but the Lord, or who is God other than our God? Most high, most good, most powerful, most omnipotent, most merciful, yet most just, most hidden, yet most present. Most beautiful, yet most strong, steadfast, yet incomprehensible, unchanging, yet changing all things, never new, yet never old, renewing all things, yet bringing age upon the proud, and they know it not, always at work, yet ever at rest, ever gathering all things, yet lacking nothing, supporting, filling, and shielding, creating, nourishing, and bringing to maturity, seeking, yet having all things. You love, yet you do so without passion, are jealous without feeling anxious, repent, yet without grief. You are angry, yet serene. You change your works, yet your purpose remains unchanged. You receive anew what you find, yet never do you suffer loss. Never in need you rejoice in gains. Never are you covetous, yet you draw interest. You receive payment over and above so that you may be in debt to us, yet who has anything that does not come from you? You pay debts, yet you owe nothing. You forgive them, yet you lose nothing. But what have I even now said, my God, my life, my holy joy? And what does any man say when he speaks of you? But woe to him who does not speak of you, for even the most talkative are ultimately like mute men. Chapter 5 Oh, that I might take rest in you. 
Oh, that you would enter into my heart and intoxicate me so that I might forget all my evils and embrace you, my soul good. What are you to me? Have mercy on me so that I may utter it. Or what am I to you that you may demand my love? And if I do not give it, are roused to anger at me and threaten me with grievous sorrows. Is it only a slight sorrow to not love you? Oh, for the sake of your mercy, tell me, O Lord my God, what are you to me? Say unto my soul, I am your deliverance. Speak thus, so that I may hear. Behold, O Lord, I have set my heart open before you. Open your ears to it and say unto my soul, I am your salvation. Let me hasten toward this voice and take hold of you. Hide not your face from me. Let me die, lest I die of desire to see you. Only let me see your face. How cramped is the mansion of my soul. Broaden it so that you may enter in. It is in ruin. Repair it, O Lord. It is filled with things that must be offensive to your eyes. This I confess and know. But who shall cleanse it? Or to whom shall I cry except unto you? Lord, cleanse me from my secret faults and spare your servant from the power of the foe. I believe and therefore do speak. Lord, this you know. Have I not confessed unto you my transgressions and have you not forgiven the iniquity of my heart? I contend not in judgment with you who are the truth. I fear to deceive myself lest my iniquity lie to itself. Therefore, I do not contend with you in judgment for if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? Chapter 6 Yet allow me, who am but dust and ashes, to address your mercy. Yet allow me to speak, since I address your mercy and speak not to scornful man. You too perhaps despise me, yet you will turn and have compassion on me. For what could I say, O Lord my God, except that I do not know where I came from when I entered into, what shall I call it, this dying life or living death? But immediately did the comforts of your compassion take me in hand, as I heard, though I do not remember it, from my parents in the flesh, from whose own substance you did once upon a time fashion me. There I received the comforts of woman's milk, though neither my mother nor my nurses filled their breasts for me. No, you have bestowed food upon my infancy through them, in accord with the order you have established, by which you distribute your riches through hidden springs found in all things. You also gave me a desire that did not outstrip what you had given. So too you led my nurses to willingly give to me what you gave them, for with a heaven-taught affection they willingly gave me what they had in abundance from you. Indeed, this my good from them was also good for them. Nor indeed was it from them, but rather was through them. For all good things come from you, O God, the source of all my health. All this I learned in due time through these your gifts within me and around me, proclaiming you yourself unto me. But at that time I knew only to suckle, to take rest in what gave pleasure, and to cry at what upset my flesh, nothing more. Later on I began to smile, first in sleep, then while awake. Such is what I have been told about myself. I believed it to be true, for we likewise see this in other infants. However, I do not remember it in my own case. Thus gradually I became conscious of where I was and started to desire to express my wishes to those who satisfy them. But I failed to do so for my wishes were inside of me, while those who could fulfill them were outside and around me. Nor did they have any power of sense that would enable them to enter into my soul. Thus I threw my arms all around and babbled randomly, making use of the few signs I had in my power, such as I could, trying to imitate the things I wanted, though in a way that fell short of the truth. 
And when I was not immediately obeyed through wishes that were annoying or unintelligible, then I became indignant with my elders for not submitting themselves to me, angry for not being served by those who owed me no service. Having observed infants, I have learned that this is their way, and although they are unaware of the fact, they have taught me about my own actions better than my own nurses who experienced them firsthand. But behold, my infancy died off long ago, yet here I am alive. But you, O Lord, who are ever living and in no way subject to death, for before the foundation of the ages and before any possible before, you are. And indeed, you are God and Lord of all that you have created. And you abide, fixed forever, the first causes of all things that do not themselves abide. And the springs of all mutable things abide in you immutably. And in you live the eternal reasons of all things that are unreasoning and temporal. Declare, O Lord, to me who call upon you. Declare, all merciful one, to me who stand before you your mercy. Did my infancy come after another age that died off before this childhood? Was it the time that I spent within my mother's womb? For I have heard about that and have myself seen women who are pregnant. But what about before that life, O God, my joy? Was I anywhere or anybody? For nobody can tell me about this, neither father nor mother, nor the experience of others, nor my own memory. Do you laugh at this question and direct me to pray to you and confess to you the fact that I did not know this? I confess you, Lord of heaven and earth, and praise you for the first origins of my being and for my infancy, about which I remember nothing. For you have appointed that man should infer much about himself on the authority of others and believe much on the words of women in their weakness. Even then I had being in life, and as my infancy came to a close, I could seek out signs by which I could reveal to others my own sensations. Who other than you, O Lord, could be the source of such a being? Could any being fashion itself? Or could there be any source other than you from which our being and life would flow, O you who are supremely being and life? For you are the Most High and do not change. And in you today does not come to its close, yet nonetheless it does come to its close in you, for all such things also are in you. For it is only because you uphold them that they pass away, and since your years do not fail, all your years are but one today. How many of our years and those of our fathers have flowed along and away through your today, and from that one day of yours received the measure and whatsoever being they had, and more still shall flow by, likewise receiving whatsoever belongs to their being. But you are still the same. All things that will be tomorrow and in all days thereafter, and all things that were yesterday and in all days before, all this will be done by you in this today. All of it has been done in this today. What does it mean for me if anyone does not understand this? Let him also rejoice and say, What is this thing? Let him rejoice even in this way and be content with discovering you by this way of non-discovery than with failing to discover you by way of discovery. All right, here we are. Book one, chapter one, first words and first pages. Um, St. Augustine, as we've just heard, begins his reflection on his life, his confessions with a question, with an inquiry into who is God? You know, who is this God that has been working in his life, that has been, that has created him for himself and drawing St. Augustine to God throughout his life? So it's pretty profound, but pretty 
beautiful and I think in ways recognizable beginning. There's a lot of like one-liners that that are used a lot that St. Augustine just hits us with in the beginning. So yeah, questions of how can God be known? Who are we in relation to God? How and why does God love us? They kind of set the stage, as I've said a couple of times, for us to get to know St. Augustine and begin our journey with him. So Father Gregory, thoughts, comments, concerns? Yeah, you you made a comment at the outset of the introductory bonus episode where we kind of broached book one in toto. And uh, you're describing how St. Augustine refers often to, or he reverts to praise or he employs praise, however you want to say it. He praises. Uh, Yes, it's a verb. And I think that that's a great way in which to frame all of the kind of introspection which follows. Because, you know, if you're not careful and if you engage in introspection, uh, you risk a kind of, here's a $5 word, solipsism, where you get cut off from everyone else and it's just you, yourself, and you. Me, myself, and I. I don't know if there's other forms of those words. So that's that. Never mind. Keep going, Father Gregory. Okay. St. Augustine always breaks open the conversation. So rather than have a conversation with himself and about himself, which would be proper to sinful humanity, instead he breaks that conversation open to God and he does so with praise. And you can feel the fresh air of the divine breath kind of coursing through these pages or kind of whipping through these pages, saving him from staleness, saving him from that unhealthy introspection, which becomes overly involved in our own sadnesses and angers, such that we get cut off from the source of our lives and the end of our lives and really the sense of our lives as well. So yeah, the way that this begins in a spirit of praise is very, it's very delightful. Yeah. Someone was recently recounting to me an interaction they had with somebody else where they were sort of trapped at a dinner table and this person decided without being asked to recount their life story. And this, my friend who was recounting this event said something to the effect of like, I just became an object of his speaking. Like it didn't even matter that he was talking to me, just that he had an audience to listen to. And I'm sure we've all experienced that um, in one way or another or multiple ways or others. But as St. Augustine begins here, there there is no sense of that. There's a real sense of being invited to be like along on the journey with him in his life and in his relationship with God. It's not a sort of, yeah, there there he talks a lot about vanity in, in, in his own vanity, but you don't get that sense here. So there's a real kind of openness and invitation. One of the great, well, the, the line that begins it all, right? They have this praise and thanksgiving that become a constant theme. Great art thou, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. Great is thy power, and of thy wisdom there is no number. And man desires to praise thee. In our introductory bits, we talked about desire, Augustine's desire for God, our desire for God, the human desire for God. You know, it's it's alive and well in St. Augustine's reflections on his life. So I don't know, let's say a few words about desire because it really drives here. Yeah, I think kind of at root, what is desire, but the recognition that you're made for a certain something and that you don't yet have it. And so it what, you know, desire is basically what inclines you or tends you towards the end of your love. So love is just, you know, that recognition that there's something out there in the world, something good for me, something that corresponds to me, something that will perfect me, something that will answer to this insatiable longing, whether it be for like things that are basic and physical or things that are more elevated and emotional or psychological or spiritual, whatever it is. But desire is kind of like the wings of love or it's the impetus of love, which sets us off, you know, like kind of on a certain path. And I think that, you know, St. Augustine is of the mind that our desire to praise God or to recognize God as our source and our end, that's something that's natural to us, right? Obviously, there are supernatural elements to it insofar as 
the fullness of faith is revealed, and the grace to live that faith has to be mediated, or it has to be bestowed by God in order for, for us to live righteously, to live uprightly. But still, given that we are creatures, we recognize that at some very basic, you know, very created level, and that we need to do something with it. And he thinks it registers in the order of justice, like, I need to give my life back to God because I have received it from him as a gift, unmerited, right? It's not something that I was consulted about out, you know, like at the outset or ahead of time. It's just something that he gave to me so that I can use it, so that I can make something beautiful of it. And I think that that's, that's present throughout. So that desire is often confused by sin and vice, or it's kind of mixed up with other less noble desires. But here you see St. Augustine sorting through with the assistance, with the aid of revelation and grace, so as to give yet more perfect expression to that desire. Yeah, that's all true and good. <laughs> Good job. When we look, when as we get through, and, and we, we we're moving through the first six books here, in the fourth, sorry, chapters, not books, in the fourth chapter, St. Augustine goes into this sort of description of God's attributes, everything that he sort of is and everything that he isn't, or a lot of things that he is and isn't. And it's kind of, you know, we're at the beginning, so a lot of this is you know, the first time we're, we're getting different experiences of St. Augustine um, and his writing, but this is one of the first times that St. Augustine kind of gets into this, what we could call philosophical or theological kind of reflection on, on God and, and who he is. So we're going to continue to get that and get that more as we go through. But I think it's worth pointing out from, you know, as, as we encounter it for the first time, that, that some of what we're going to read and some of St. Augustine's reflections on God can be heavy, weighty. There's a lot to sift through. Um, so from the outset, I think that's okay. We don't have to, you know, as you're reading or listening, you don't have to think that I have to get every single nuance down here before I can turn the page. It's not the case, you know, that's perfectly fine. But what I want to say about about that and reflecting on these parts of St. Augustine's writings is, you know, Father Gregory, you were just saying that desire is the impetus or sort of the catalyst of love. And St. Augustine talks a lot about knowing and we don't want to think of knowing as just sort of an intellectual exercise, just something we do in the mind, divorced from the heart, right? Like where St. Augustine also talks a lot about love. So maybe a couple words or a couple thoughts on this relationship of our ability to know, but how that leads us to love and this relationship of, yeah, of all of that. Uh, I think that might be an important kind of foundational thing to take with us. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes, and especially in an American context, people can look down on or be suspicious of the contribution of our minds in living the life of faith or in cultivating a prayer life, a spiritual life. But the basic point here is that it's through our minds that our hearts, you know, kind of come to knowledge of the truth and then come to pursuit of the good. So you can think about it as like feeding your heart through your mind. And this is something that, that corresponds to our experience. Sometimes you might be having difficulty in a relationship. You might find somebody frustrating and you might find, you know, him or her to be just difficult. Um, but when you get a new vantage or a new perspective on the individual and you realize, oh my gosh, this person just, you know, lost somebody very close to them, or, you know, this person is in the midst of a difficult transition, or I bet you this person is actually trying to do this in this relationship. So the reason for which he is speaking too much is because dot, dot, dot. And, and when you can get that insight, then it helps you to love or it empowers you to love. And so I think that you know, like in this passage that you just referenced, where um, St. Augustine is talking about God, and he is asserting things and then denying things. He's trying to purify our understanding of God to challenge us beyond our limited human understanding and to introduce us into a kind of, you know, like beyond human understanding, which is to say a divine understanding, uh, so that in 
kind of penetrating more profoundly to the heart of the triune life, that we might have a greater sympathy for it and sensitivity to it such that our hearts can kind of spontaneously tend there. Why I pause between tend and there, it's just beyond me. It's utterly beyond me. But alas, here we go. So, so I think that, that St. Augustine has a real confidence in the power of our minds to mediate relationships with God and with you know other human beings and even with angels, I suppose. And that's for him an important feature in recounting the things that he does. Yeah, St. Augustine talks about our hearts, as we know, being restless until they rest in, in you and God. And as we're made to desire God, we're also made to know and love. You know, we're created in the image and likeness or unto the, the image and likeness of God. Um, it's important to recognize that our hearts follow our minds. You know, simply we can't love something that we don't know. So our, you know, this is a great reading through the confessions, <laughs> is a great exercise in expanding our knowledge and spending time with like this classic expanding our knowledge of God, knowing God. Yeah, again, not just to like amass sort of what bullet points of who God is and that sort of thing, but to know him, to know him as we would want to know a friend and to therefore love him better and know him better. And yeah, we see this just jumping off the pages in the first chapters. And St. Augustine does it in a way, as as I mentioned at the top, by beginning at the beginning, right? So we get then a sense of his, or a reflection of his infancy, of his childhood. And I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's funny, if I think it's funny, but I just think it's interesting how he does that from the very beginning, from the very outset, reflects on his sort of crying, his reaching out for for food, his his yeah, his initial relationships with those around him. Um, and I think these are important. And Augustine thinks they're important because it shows, it reflects to us, even in you know a newborn, an infant, like the humanity of who we are. Desire for to be filled, desire to be loved, desire to be seen, affirmed, um, even in this this little baby who is Saint Augustine. So yeah, as you read it, reflect on on those kind of innate human qualities or attributes that God has given us that St. Augustine is drawing our attention to because they don't go away as we get older. They just become, you know, they mature, they rationalize, they grow up a bit, but we all begin here. So as we round out this first episode in the first chapters of Augustine's Confessions, remember and recognize how he's introducing us to God through prayer and praise, drawing our attention to the fact that we're made for him that we're drawn to him. And now as we continue on and in the episodes to come, we'll see just how it is that this plays out in St. Augustine's own life. So know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us and we'll catch you next time on Catholic Classics. Mm-hmm.